Hi, friends. Welcome to SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's official podcast about all things SpongeBob. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. There has never been a better time to be a SpongeBob fan. We've got Camp Coral, the Patrick Star Show, and SpongeBob himself. So we as SpongeBob fans are going to go back in time to the very beginning of the show, the origins, the DNA, and learn as much as we can about how this pop culture phenomenon came to be and how this long-lasting, amazing show is still thriving today and how that happened, why that is. I'm so excited. I, I just love everything that you just said. <laughs> so you guys already know I'm Frankie Grande and this is Hector Navarro. But Hector, I want to know a little bit about what created the SpongeBob fan that sits before me on the radio waves today. Like, Tell me a little bit about your backstory. Well, Frankie, like many, many people, I grew up with Nickelodeon in the 90s and there were some killer shows on Nickelodeon then. I'm talking Rugrats, Ren and Simpy, Doug. We know. We know Rocko's that those were the first life. three. Ah, Real Monsters. Rocko's, all of those hey amazing Arnold. shows. Hey Arnold. So great. Oh my goodness. So I've been a fan of cartoons and animation since I was a wee lad and Spongebob is a big part of that reason. So when Spongebob came out, I was immediately drawn to this weird and funny world. I had already loved shows like Rocco's Modern Life, and then years later I would learn it's a lot of the same crew. So of course, a duh, I ended up loving SpongeBob right out of the gate when it came out. And shows like SpongeBob inspired me to eventually study animation and get a degree in media arts and animation. While I was in college, I was an intern at Nickelodeon, aka a Nick turn, which was some of the most incredible fun that I've ever had in my entire life. And it's a an experience I'll remember forever. And then years later, I got to host the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast and actually talk to some of the people that worked on SpongeBob SquarePants. I talked to Tom Kenny. I talked to the amazing Steven Hillenberg before he passed away. I had a chance to talk to him for a little bit and just chat with him and tell him how much the show meant to me. So SpongeBob has always been this mainstay pillar of why I love animation. I've always admired and and loved the the genius of it, the brilliance of it. And I hope to be able to learn more about it and share some of the stuff that I know with you, Frankie, and with our listeners, because the thing I've learned is the more you study animation, the more you're gonna grow to appreciate it and love it. So how about yourself, my friend? How do you and SpongeBob and Nickelodeon have a, a connection together? You know, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I was just obsessed with those 90s cartoons on Nickelodeon. I remember every day I would go home from school and I would turn on the TV and it was just Nickelodeon and I watched whatever they presented to me. So yes, it was yeah. Ren and Stimpy, you know, Doug, Rocco's Model, Rugrats. Oh my God, Rugrats, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I would just watch it and then one day... It was SpongeBob. And I just did what Nickelodeon told me to do, which was become obsessed with SpongeBob. And then that's what I did. I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And I have not turned off SpongeBob yet. Wow. I am famous for having breakfast in my house my whole life, literally including up into my 30s, with watching SpongeBob SquarePants. It was like, oh. you know, sunny side up egg with turkey bacon. I'm a vegan now, but separate story. Mm -hmm. um, and and it was SpongeBob and orange juice, orange juice, and coffee. Love turkey bacon. I know. Turkey bacon is so good. I miss it. So good. 
They can't recreate turkey bacon. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> and so, you know, I was actually a biology theater dance triple major in college, which is so what? weird. I know. And the biology focus was actually marine biology, which is so crazy. So I obviously think I clicked with SpongeBob just for that reason of the fact that I like love underwater and aquatic creatures so much. I did like a wow. thesis paper on anemones at the Shoals Marine Laboratory. I know. It's so weird. But it's uh, amazing. I know. Thank you. I love it. But the biology, the, the theater and dance side won out. And my actual first professional job, which is, I think, why I bleed Nickelodeon slime, why my blood is actually green <laughs> gack, because I was Boots the Monkey on Dora the Explorer Live. My first no. professional job, I know. First professional job, and then on to Broadway, and then after Broadway, YouTube star and reality TV star, and then after that, hosting, and, you know, um, I ended up back on Nickelodeon, you know, as, as Frank Haney from Henry Danger and from Danger <laughs> Force. That's me. Now you can recognize, <laughs> that's the voice. There's There he is. This guy's <laughs> will pass before you know it. I'm just a Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon kid and adult through and through. And so yeah. um, I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to explore and play in the world of SpongeBob with you. So excited. Well, Nick is your home, Frankie. And so that's true. so cool that you get to come back to Nickelodeon and, and that we get to do this together. And I am so happy and, and, and so honored that, that this project brought us together. And I'm just so excited to get to talk about SpongeBob with you, man. It's going to be great. I'm ready. I want to try to remind folks the early 90s, right at the beginning of the decade, Nickelodeon came out on the scene with three shows. Their first three shows, I believe, are still kind of the DNA of Nickelodeon to this day. And the three shows were Ren and Stimpy, Rugrats, oh my God. and Doug. I have chills. <laughs> it's I mean just I mean those are those are also some some cartoon icons. Let's let, let's let's not, you know, let's not dilly-dally here. This is these these are heavy hitters. And each of these cartoons brought such a unique flavor to this network. And it changed television animation, Frankie, because let's go back even a little further. 1980s there were a lot of people getting into animation, going to school for animation. They were populating CalArts. A lot of people that later would be the Brad Birds and your Tim Burtons and all these amazing directors and, and, and you know brand names in the world of animation today. And they were getting their start in the 80s and they were getting disenfranchised with the state of animation. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name some specific names, but a lot of cartoon shows in the 80s were made to sell toys. Let's be real. That's great. That's awesome. I love a lot of those shows. They had great toys to accompany them. I had so many He-Men. I had like 5,000 <laughs> He-Men and Voltron. Oh my God, my favorite. I loved all those toys. They were my favorite. And the, and the great thing about those shows, shows like He-Man and Transformers and G.I. Joe and stuff, is that they still inspired kids and people in that era to where today those creatives have grown up and now they're bringing back these shows and they're adding yeah. you know deeper storylines and so it's all this amazing cycle of creativity but in the 80s they were selling toys and a lot of people that were getting into animation were kind of like frustrated and bummed out they wanted to do stuff like the classic looney tunes shorts they wanted to do this great classic animation and not the sort of limited budgets unfortunately that a lot of these shows had to deal with and so nickelodeon comes out these three shows, Rugrats, Doug, Ren and Stimpy, they could not be more different from one another, and yet 
they're so uniquely Nickelodeon. Ren and Stimpy is insanity. Yes. Doug, Doug is pure heart. Mm-hmm. And Rugrats is the ultimate kid perspective show. And so much of Nickelodeon to this day, that is still in their DNA. I think that's also the thing that we're going to learn from SpongeBob too. Yes. Is that like there is all of those things within this one show, you know, which is very Absolutely. interesting. You know, you're talking about the early days of Nickelodeon. It's subdivided it. You have the insanity, you have the heart, you have the kid perspective. And somehow, I don't know who, who decided to put all of them into one show because SpongeBob, yeah. I'm, there are moments in SpongeBob where I think I'm watching Ren and Stimpy, especially yes. in the first episode. You know, <laughs> like there are moments that are crazy creepy and you're like yeah. oh my goodness this is actually quite terrifying um and a little scary and like makes me gross f- moments <laughs> exactly but then there are those moments of incredible heart and those moments of children's perspective or be like like mm-hmm. just reminds me so much of what it means to be a kid so yeah um and i and you know and i never actually heard it broken down quite like that but it's so interesting that i loved i can not tell you which one of those shows I liked more, to be honest. I really Honestly, loved yeah. all three of those shows, yeah. Ren and Stimpy, Doug, and Rugrats. And then yeah. it makes, so it just, like, how you're breaking it down for me as a fan mm-hmm. makes so mm-hmm. much sense why as soon as SpongeBob came on, I was like, I'm in, that's yep. it. It's got everything I've ever wanted, which is so cool. Yeah. And, of course, many of the people from Ren and Stimpy actually worked on SpongeBob. That's what I'm talking about. And not just Ren and Stimpy, a lot of that same crew went on to do Rocco's Modern Life, another favorite of mine. And what happened after Rocco's Modern Life? SpongeBob SquarePants. It's a lot of those same, you know. Rocco's Modern Life. (laughs) Rocco's Modern Life. I mean, that's where, you know, that's Tom Kenny was the voice of Heifer. And so it's a lot of those, those funny, young, creative people that were working on these shows eventually did bring us SpongeBob. And so the really funny thing, too, is that SpongeBob ushered in the sort of new era at Nickelodeon, um, the early 2000s and beyond, but he still technically premiered in 1999, so he's still technically a 90s Nicktoon, but he's definitely that bridge into what the future of Nickelodeon was. And so the 90s was killing it, it was crushing it, all these amazing shows were on the air on Nickelodeon. And I remember learning too that the pitch for SpongeBob is legendary, and we'll get into it. But in the pitch that folks at Nickelodeon were like, oh, this seems so different and so so different than what we've normally had on the network. But in my opinion, again, you go back to Ren and Stimpy, Doug, Rugrats, and I'm like, no, but see, the DNA is there. And that's, that's it, it feels Nickelodeon. It feels Nickelodeon, you know, which is great. But anyway, it's 1999. The Kids' Choice Awards are airing, and right after the Kids' Choice Awards, they aired the very first episode, the first segment, Help Wanted, of SpongeBob SquarePants, and I remember it being hyped up, and I remember it being a big deal. That's Nickelodeon's favorite thing to do, by the way. Yes, is like yes. To do the Kids' Choice Award, and then it's the new episode of, or the new TV show of, it is always the tee-up, so they were they were mm-hmm. revving up for something big. You know it, Listen. after the KCAs, hosted by <laughs> JoJo Siwa, there will be something yep. amazing at the end of this, of this award show. Oh, you know, I just for nostalgia's sake, I kind of want to look up and see if there was a host for the 1999 Kids' Choice Award. Frankie, are we? I'm about to do this right now because I am... I want to know who it is, too. Oh, my gosh. Third Story, Britney Spears, TLC, and NSYNC performed no. live from Orlando, Florida. Oh That's an amazing show. That is an amazing show. Oh, my God. Oh, Frankie. So iconic. Oh my Frankie. God, you just said all my favorite things on one sentence. SpongeBob, Britney Spears, TLC, If you can and guess who the host was, think about it. 1999, she had the most popular talk show on 
who was the host of the 1999 Kids' Choice Awards? I have to guess. <laughs> I don't know. She had the most popular talk show in the 90s. I'll give you a clue. She played a famous cartoon character in a live-action movie earlier in the 90s. Okay. And she came from the world of stand-up. Who was the host of the 1999 Kids' Choice Awards? I'm terrible at this. I have no idea. Who was it? <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell. O'Donnell Come real? on. Come oh on. Oh my God. Uh, that's... What an iconic night. So... SpongeBob is one of the shows that, along with I loved Hey Arnold so much from the nineties, and 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 like I said, Rugrats and Doug especially, they inspired me. And eventually, I I wanted to work in animation myself, so I went to school and kind of studied that. And and uh, don't work in animation today currently, but that eventually kind of led me on a path of like like hosting and interviewing and. And I then, uh, you know, years later got the chance to host the Nickelodeon animation podcast. And in that experience, Frankie, let me tell you, I even had a chance to meet and just talk to him for a little bit, Steven Hillenberg, before he passed away, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants. And it was really special, man, because the legend of how SpongeBob came to be has become so famous now that so many people know legend. about it's become legend it really has and and the the fun the fun thing is is that Steven Hillenberg's sort of creative path took him in a lot of different places and he very famously loved uh the films of Jacques Cousteau when he was a kid yeah and then that's what got him into marine biology and then he went and had a career in marine biology and was teaching kids about marine wildlife. And when he had that job, he also was an artist since he was a kid and loved to bring artistry into it. So he became one of these amazing teachers that brings their art into the lesson plan. You know what I mean? And he created little comic books that describe the intertidal zone. Um, You know, he had in his little comics, he had a little character that was a round sponge called Bob the Sponge is where that Bob first the sponge Bob the Sponge is where that first Listen, was working title thank god that that changed <laughs> there's actually a character on Drag Race whose name is Bob and he's famous for a sponge so like Bob the Sponge would actually be that it would be Bob the Drag Queen but just with a sponge it would be Bob the Sponge that's amazing kids love the aquarium you know, yeah. like it is something yeah. that there's something so magical about the undersea life. Um, mm-hmm. And so the fa- I think that that was also part of the recipe of like why in the pitch meeting, which has become so legendary and so iconic, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but why, you know, uh, it was like almost an immediate yes. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. why haven't we done this yet? Like how yeah. <laughs> have all of our shows on Nickelodeon been on land? Like what is wrong mm-hmm. with us? You know, like kids love whales and crabs and fish and it's beautiful under the water and starfish and so um octopus you know like what a cool thing so i think that that was also part of the allure of uh spongebob i think that this is proof that the ideas that steven hillenberg wanted to put into spongebob from the beginning like they came through because you love the show because of that marine life like aspect to it and he was an educator and he wanted to convey that kind of the fun and excitement and the beauty of that undersea world in a different way than like 
the Little Mermaid movie or, you know, if there were cartoons that, that had aquatic characters, it's like SpongeBob and Bikini Bottom, it's its own thing. And it really has this vibe and flavor that feels like no other cartoon really went there and kind of made this whole world, you know? There's, there's been fish characters and, 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 and cartoon dolphins or whatever, but, like, it's so special. And then the, the, the comedy aspect of it and the, yes. and the joy and the, the childlike wonder we're inspired by that too. And then, yeah, and then we both have these kind of like interestingly like weaving in and out with Nickelodeon and its history. And so it reminded me because when you said that Steven Hillenberg taught um, taught using puppets, I was like that if I went into marine that would have been my life, would have been my life. Like, oh, absolutely. Ha- absolutely. You're, you're a performer. <laughs> yeah, you're be, a performer. I'd be dressing up as an anemone and like coming to yeah. like <laughs> right, coming up with a song that I just wrote about how like anemones, you know, oh, wow. um, eviscerate their guts when a predator comes towards them. You know, like that would be a really fun song. I think that I should actually look into recording. Since I'm yeah, in a recording booth, let's just Hit put that single. down. Put that down for my four o'clock. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> I also want to bring up, like Stephen Hillenberg, the way he transitioned from marine biology and 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 being an educator to the world of animation is that he always wanted to be an artist. But when he was younger, he was like, "That's a tough career to make it in. I'm going to have more job security if I do the teaching thing." And then in his teaching career, he was hitting some snags and some struggles. And he's like, it's actually harder to do this. I'm going to give this animation thing a shot. And so he, he went back to school and, and kind of went through that path. So eventually he gets work in animation. Then he's working on Rocco's Modern Life. And through the course of that show, he was encouraged, hey, you should pitch your, your, your intertitle zone. You're like your idea mm. that you came up with, you know, in the eighties, you should pitch that as a show for Nick. An intertitle zone was a sh- cartoon that he came up with as a teacher to teach. Little comic, the, little comic. Yeah, exactly. To teach about the intertitle zone. Brilliant. Yeah. So he, so he starts redeveloping the cartoon idea he, you know, he goes back to the voice of Heifer, Tom Kenny, to be like, I want, you know, Tom Kenny to maybe to be the voice of this character. He goes originally with the name Sponge Boy. Yeah. Sponge Boy Ahoy. Sponge Boy Ahoy was going to be the name of the show. Sponge Boy Ahoy. But a mop product was already had a, tra- had a trademark on that name, so he couldn't use it. So he goes back to his original comic. He sees that Bob the Sponge, that the name was Bob. So he goes, okay, instead of Sponge Boy, Sponge Bob. And then he comes up with maybe the most brilliant idea for the entire show. I'm calling it right now, Frankie. The last name Squarepants. Yeah. I think is one of the funniest <laughs> titles, last names for a character. Like it just tells you everything you need to know about what this show is and that it's silly. And that you know, it's funny and playful and exciting and energetic and it's something that we we come continually come back to throughout the season is the fact that he has these square pants and like where does he buy <laughs> these square pants and where does he launder these square pants and then what the episode when he has round pants and no one can recognize him because his <laughs> pants are a different shape and they're always the same and it's just there's something just so um, kind of like romantically funny about the, the yeah. his, this whole the square pants and his relationship with it um, and it's just it's so it is you're right it's one of the most charming things about the show and you learn right off the bat 
that yeah. we are dealing with something that is going to make you smile and laugh and uh, you yeah. know have a lot of hard SpongeBob SquarePants. Thank God, <laughs> is, you know, but also like who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob yes. Ahoy! It yes. doesn't have the same. You need the SpongeBob yes. Square. SpongeBob Ahoy! It. I mean, it does mm-hmm. rhyme. It's kind of cute. But anyway, tell 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 us about the mop. There was yeah. a mop. It's called SpongeBob Ahoy, which means so they, basically yeah. they couldn't do they couldn't call the show SpongeBob Ahoy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. By the way, is it available on Amazon? Can I buy a SpongeBob Ahoy? Because <laughs> I think it's really it would be fun to I we should send them a thank you letter for um making the show named SpongeBob SquarePants. So actually, as the legend goes, the person who came up with the idea for SquarePants was Steven Hillenburg after he heard Tom Kenny look at a picture of the character, and Tom Kenny goes, Look at this SpongeBob in these square pants, like Tom Kenny pointed it out. He goes, look at these square pants. And then that's what made Steven Hillenburg go, oh, that should be the guy's last name. It should be SpongeBob SquarePants. I love that. The voice of SpongeBob had a input in, you know, name it. You know, as that, that's the thing which is so lovely about being an artist and being collaborators is that, like, you know, when you're open to it, like, the people that you hire for the project, like, actually do kind of get to create the character along with you, you know, especially voice actors like that. So it's so fun to know that he had a part to play in the naming Absolutely. There, there are so many people who are responsible for like why SpongeBob is who SpongeBob is, like the success of the show. And Tom and Steven, they're there from the beginning, man. So now we're in the pitch, right? Steven Hillenburg has put together this pitch. He has refined these characters to pretty much like their perfect perfection that the characters are today. He goes into pitch. He's got the theme song. He's got a little ukulele. He's got an aquarium that he brings in with like little models of the characters. And it is apparently the most creative pitch that Nickelodeon executives had seen in maybe forever. It's just such a legendary pitch. And I would, if I had a time machine, go back in time, lie my way onto the Nickelodeon lot and just pretend I'm an executive just to be in that room, man, because I, that is cartoon history in the making. If if you had a time machine, you could probably do that, by the way, because security was probably not as good as it is today. Yeah. So you'd be fine. <laughs> you'd just be like, hi, I work here. Look look at my laminated badge and no, no ID necessary. Um, right this way, sir. Right walk, this way. And walk into the pitch meeting. And that's so beautiful. There's, I, there's actually a quote I want to read of Stephen Hillenburg. Please, please do. About about the, the pitch, uh, the iconic legendary pitch. He said, when I pitched the show, I made this special seashell. You could pick, pick it up and hear me singing, Sponge Boy, Sponge Boy. I also made an aquarium with Patrick painted on the side, SpongeBob sitting on a barrel, and Squidward inside. I wore a Hawaiian shirt. I don't mm. know what they thought of it. Eventually, we pitched with a storyboard. The executive, Albie Hecked, walked out, then walked straight back in and said, let's make this, Stephen Hillenburg. Isn't that How amazing I have chills just thinking about And we must find and interview someone that was in that room on this oh, show. Oh, absolutely. We have oh, we'll, to. We, 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 I, I totally want to pick their brain about that because, you know, just, just the idea of pitching a cartoon show to Nickelodeon by itself is such a cool thing. And like, mm-hmm. what are those pitches like? And what do they normally sort of see? And what are they, you know, what were they looking for then? And what do they look for today? And all that kind of stuff is so interesting. But specifically, what made that SpongeBob pitch as special as it was? And it sounds special. We got a special seashell? Come on. Yeah. He had, he had an aquarium. Sponge boy. He had Patrick planted on the side. Like, that's so funny. 
That's so funny that that's how he was trying to represent his characters. And it seemed like he didn't leave much up to the imagination, too. Like, I feel like he was like, this is the song. These are the characters. This is what they did. This is who each person is, you know? And then he said he came in with a storyboard. So he had an episode lined out for them. Mm -hmm. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I can imagine being in that room and just the magic and the tangible energy. And again, there's that excitement about like, oh, my God, he found something we haven't done yet. Like, oh, underwater. Duh. Of course. Wow. There's a whole ocean we haven't even touched. And I think what I think what you nailed on the head too, Frankie, is that like it was Steven's vision and it was so clear. You know what I mean? He just had such a strong idea for what this world was. And that's what helps. And and in my opinion, the characters that he originally pitched, they're so strong from the very beginning and so defined. When I say these characters' names, you know exactly what they are what their personalities are, what they sound like, what they talk like, what they move like. SpongeBob, Patrick, Squidward, Mr. Krabs, Sandy. It's, they're all there. They're all there. And the fact that those core characters were so well-defined from the beginning, that is, in my opinion, what led to the longevity of the show because you could take those characters and put them in literally infinite amount of situations. And the show could continue to tell fun stories because it's about those characters. And, you know, I like to think of it as like, you know how you know what your mother's going to say? Like, no matter what, mm. like, you know, you're in your life, <laughs> you, wherever you are in your life, you're like, oh, I know exactly what my mother would say right now. It's the same thing of those characters. Like, you know exactly yeah. what Squidward would say. You know exactly what Mr. Krabs would say. You know exactly what Sandy <laughs> would say. You know what Patrick would say. What's our, you know, like in every single um, place I go in life, you know, I, I, I carry those characters with me and I think as we get into um, each and every character and you see just how um, beautifully they're they're delineated so that we can have these stories and these these character arcs you can see that this mm-hmm. show is not just communicating to the kids and I think that's why mm-hmm. we are talking about it um, yeah. it's because these lessons that each episode has are talking directly to the adults that are watching are teaching yes. moral moral um, lessons and, and, and not in a heavy-handed way but in a way that you walk away being like huh that was kind of beautiful and I actually think I'm gonna go like to the rest of my day and I'm gonna take a little bit more of Spongebob's energy and a little bit less of Squidward's energy into my <laughs> business meeting into that um, to talk that I'm gonna have later with my relative you know whatever it is there yeah. were lessons to be garnered from each and every character um, that resonate with adults as much as they yeah. did with kids who are developing, who are in their developmental phase, who are like, you know what? SpongeBob makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to go to school and I'm going to say, I'm ready. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> run away and be scared. I'm just going to go in like SpongeBob did. And especially mm-hmm. in the first episode when he was like, I am born to do this. I am ready. Yeah. Put me to work, Mr. Krabs. Here we go. Here we go. Well, the thing I want to talk about, SpongeBob himself is a character. I remember watching the first few seasons on Nickelodeon and thinking, boy, SpongeBob is so different from cartoons in the 90s. Cartoons that I love because you know what was in in the 90s? Cynicism and sarcasm. And I love those cartoons. Those cartoons were edgy, you know, great cartoon characters like the Animaniacs. And they they brought in some of those classic Warner Brothers feeling. Now, Bugs Bunny, he'll say himself, he's a stinker. This guy is, is... so funny and sharp and and great and he's always kind of one-upping the poor sap that he gets put up against but spongebob is different spongebob 
even more different than Mickey Mouse. Now, Mickey Mouse is pure heart, but even when Mickey Mouse started, he was a little bit of a rascal as well. He was a bit of a scoundrel. This Mickey Mouse would kind of, you know, just be a bit of a stinker, I guess is the cartoon terminology. For these characters, it would kind of, you know, kind of fight characters and get their way and, and kind of be sarcastic and, and smart and stuff. But SpongeBob came along at a time where we're getting out of the cynicism and the cool sarcasm of the 90s we're getting into the 2000s, and there's a new generation of kids watching SpongeBob, and there's a new era of animation that's about to happen. And he comes along, and his message is simple. It's just joy. Yeah, pure it's love. It's pure light. Love. Radiating, like, positive energy. And I think it is so fun because you do, I mean, right after you meet SpongeBob, you do get Squidward. Like, he comes yeah. right with him, you know? Like, I think of, like, what, maybe a minute or two after you meet SpongeBob, you 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 come up, there's the cynic, there's the, you know, so we, yep. we ultimately, we still have that character in this show, and and but he's not, you know, the central focus of the show, which I think is so unbelievably beautiful because, you know, that's the message that we, we frankly, we still needed today. And I think that's also part of why he's still around. But like yes. just that positive yes. energy, the the rainbow attitude, again, the I'm, I'm ready. Like, let's go, man. Like, let's do yeah. this. Um, <laughs> but I think it's really fun that, you know, like, you, as you say, like cynicism was in, man. And yeah. as you can say, like immediately you get Squidward too. So that you, yeah. you do have the cynic role in the, the show, which is so the, fun. Thank God we it's do. Great. Thank God I know. we have Squidward. I know. It's so great. And it's and 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 yeah, I like I love how you you are reminding us we st we still have that vibe and we still have that energy in the world. You know, Steven Hillenberg, he worked on Rocco's Modern Life, which did have a, a lot of cynicism and it was satire and it was spoofing sort of modern American life at that time and life around the world. But even Rocco himself, I think, had shades of that kind of innocence that eventually found its way into SpongeBob. And I mean, listen, folks, if there's young people listening right now and they don't remember the 90s, the catchphrases of the day were as if and made you look like they were like sarcastic catchphrases, you know, yeah. it was Bart Simpson. Yeah, eat my shorts, man. Like, don't have a cow, man. Like, that's what it that's what it was. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, was. it really was. We have got a ton of SpongeBob to talk about and to watch and to rewatch and to get through. What kinds of questions are you looking forward to asking some of these amazing people that we get to talk to? What do you what do you want to know about? Well, I mean, the performer in me is always curious about, um, you know, the input that, that the actor gets to have with the character yeah. that we talked about yeah. a little bit earlier, you know, with Tom Kenny naming the, span, the, the square pants element of it. So I would love to know, like, what the creative process was. Like, was Sandy always Southern? Like, did they do a bunch of different character voices for Squidward? How did we get to that nasal place? You know, that, so things like that, especially, like, as a voice actor myself, like, I wonder, like, you know, like, how much, because, like, sometimes I get these voiceover auditions and I'm like I am gonna go totally left field in this and just come up with my own thing and then sometimes they're like yeah that's exactly what we want great and I'm like I but I I came out of nowhere with that so it'd be interesting to find out as an actor's perspective like how much um, they had to do with the creation of the, these iconic voices that we love um, and then I'm um, you know the other thing is just I love blooper moments so like yes. I want to know about funny stories in the recording booth or like fun in the in the writers' rooms, or you know, even in the art department, like just just thing like things that just made everyone laugh out loud. I, I I think that you know, on a show like this that is just filled with so much joy, that there must be so much fun, so many fun behind the scenes stories. So I'd love to get as much information about that as as possible. 
Absolutely. How about you? I can't, I can't wait to talk to the the writers of this show, the, 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 the people who get to either work on scripts because SpongeBob has been a script-based show. It's also been a storyboard-based show, and both of those are super interesting and kind of really valid ways to tell stories like this. And I would love to talk to the writers, the storyboard artists, the people who, who get together in a room, like you're saying, and they're like, what hasn't SpongeBob and Patrick and everybody done yet? We've done so many of these amazing and hilarious stories. Like, what haven't they done? And then what they can come up with and what they think of and how they put those things together. That's what I am dying to learn about. I'd also love to learn about the, the animation process and how it's changed and how it's, you know, again, this show early started in 1999, how it went from, you know, fully painted cells to digital, those kinds of things that like, just by being around for as long as SpongeBob has, it has gone through different eras of animation. And animation today for TV is different than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So that's the kind of fun, kind of nerdy stuff that I'm really looking forward to, to learn about. And also... Definitely uh, where some of the wild ideas for the universe of SpongeBob come from. I mean, if we're talking about Tea at the Tree Dome, a, an iconic episode, one of my favorite SpongeBob segments of all time, we're talking about SpongeBob meeting Sandy. Now, let's be real. A little bit of a controversial thing happened with the new Camp Coral show. Yeah, with the SpongeBob diehard Sponge fans. And Sandy, yeah. Right, where it's like, but Sandy's there at camp. And let me tell you this, Frankie, let me give you a little spoiler for Camp Coral. These mad geniuses address it within Camp Coral. They actually have a moment in that show that ties it back around, makes it make sense, and it has to do with Sandy, and you're just like, I can't believe they addressed it. It made it make sense. They're they're insane to even do that wild thing that they did, but it was hilarious, and it fits within the sort of world of SpongeBob as we know it and how it makes sense. And usually the rules of SpongeBob, yeah, they absolutely, and usually the rules of SpongeBob are just character-based. They're not necessarily like... You know, oh, because SpongeBob is so, the world is so malleable. You can do anything yeah, in this world, which is that's so what I was great. Gonna say, I mean, like suspension yeah. of disbelief is kind of like just built into the fact that they're like an entire civilization underwater, and there's like boats that are not boat that don't float on the water, but rather dr- dr- like drive <laughs> underneath the water. You know, right along <laughs> submarines, which are designed to do that. But then there's boats. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts of in- fun things that happen only on this. You know, even like the sports that they play. That the fact that there is an ocean under the ocean is hysterical <laughs> to me you know like there, which is very interesting I mean there's such it, there are things like that halocline levels and things which we'll get into with biology professors when they come on the stone marine biology professors Frankie um, yeah I, nice I'm, I'm, I remember things from school but um <laughs> there are things like that where there is like an ocean underneath an ocean but like that's that always makes me giggle that there's like waves and things that like they can surf underwater it's just so silly and it, and I just love it it makes it so magical guys this has been a treat Frankie, I cannot thank you enough for going on this journey with me. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. Great conversations. I'm so, so excited to learn as much as we possibly can about the show and share it with our friends, the listeners. Uh, But mostly, Frankie, I'm just excited to talk more SpongeBob with you, man. Thank you so much for listening. It has been an absolute pleasure. I am Frankie Grande. That is Hector Navarro. And this has been the SpongeBob Binge Pants Podcast. Say that 10 times fast. See you next time.